Blog Talk Radio. Podcast. My name is Sakun Wong, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me are my co-hosts, Ryan Whitfield and Joey Alibro. And, of course, <laughs> Ryan, not on time once again. It's okay. We're used to that. How you doing, Joey? I'm doing good. As I mentioned before, it's a dead week for Georgia high school football. So uh, no practices, no workouts this week. Uh, just doing a little R&R. Hopefully the kids are uh, social distancing and uh, – not the end viruses so we can get back at it next Monday. Yeah, so most definitely. And I think we, when we were just talking about before the show, the prospects of football actually coming back because there have been a number of D2, D3 schools that uh, have already canceled their entire season for college football. And I know that, Joey, you mentioned that you thought that probably had to do with the fact that it probably wasn't um, a big financial uh, gain for them to stay open when they didn't have uh, the ability to pack those stadiums, but you know, what do you think? What do they think our chances are for kind of getting through this NFL season? Because already we have that uh, Hall of Fame game uh, rescheduled. So, what do you think? The rest of them going to go, or we're we yeah, going like to get there? Like I mentioned on our, our previous pod a, a couple weeks ago, you asked me a, kind of the same the same question, and I yep. said, you know, expect preseason the first couple weeks at least to be canceled because teams need time to prepare. Um, there's not really going to be any sort of like semblance of a training camp that we're used to. And uh, just piggybacking on what you said about the D2, D3 schools, you know, canceling their season. Uh, in one of my classes here at UGA, I'm, uh, I'm an economics and sport management major, so one of my classes focused on, um, you know, the finances of college programs. And right. especially at that level, they're not generating like any profit, or let alone uh, enough to sustain a football program when there's no when there's no fans. Sure. Um, so th- yep. those moves don't surprise me at all. Um, but uh, I feel sorry for those players, those fans, those coaches that have worked hard. Um, hope hope they uh, can get back at it in the spring. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree with all that, and I'm sure that that has a lot a huge part to do with it. And I am actually kind of, um, and I know that uh, Scott King from Marsite ran a little bit of a poll on Twitter and asked whether people thought we were going to have a football season as normal or one without any fans or with fans in the stands. And for the most part, people thought that we would have a football season without any fans at all. Um, it will be a little bit weird, but, you know, I, I think it's going to be really difficult if you allow any fans in the stands to get social distancing right. So uh, I think that's all going to play in here as we go forward. But, hey, we're all ready for the season to start. We're all going to have to plan for that. And, of course, we had some big news in the NFL with a nice free agent signing that <laughs> was about three months in the making. So, yeah, you know what? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about some good stuff. Let's get this rolling. All right. First thing I want to talk about is Cam Newton because, hey, that is that is the big news of the week for the NFL, right? On June 28th, the New England Patriots signed quarterback Cam Newton, formerly of the Carolina Panthers, to a one-year contract, which is reportedly an incentive-laden deal worth up to $7.5 million. The former MVP just recently turned 31, was released by the Panthers back on March 24th. Feels like an eon, a lifetime ago now, but uh, essentially got no suitors in that time, but for a quick check-in by the Browns. So no other really options, and uh, surprisingly, the New England Patriots sweep in, and of course, 
in some ways overshadow the fact that they were fined a certain amount of cash for that sideline filming at the Bengals Browns game last season and of course lost the third round draft pick in 2021 but they they did kind of overshadow it with the signing cuz it's a big signing um he only appeared Cam Newton only appeared in two games last season thanks to a foot injury and shoulder injuries that kind of plagued him in the past but it's a big deal he has lots of upside there he's going to be com- competing with Jared Stidham who Everyone thought was going to be that uh, starting quarterback for the New England Patriots, um, but uh, Cam Newton certainly will give him a run for his money, even if he's not 100% healthy. So let's talk about Cam Newton and the New England Patriots. Uh, what do you think about this signing here, uh, Joey? <clears throat> um, <laughs> my first initial reaction to reading the news was I just laughed my ass off because it's such <laughs> a typical Patriots move. It's like – Genius, but it's so simple that you can't even consider it genius. We're talking about a guy <laughs> that is a former, MB, a former MVP. He took his team to a Super Bowl. And granted, they lost to the Broncos that year. Um, but we're talking about a talented quarterback. And the fact that, okay, I don't want to diss on your Bears here, but the fact that they <laughs> went out and got Nick Foles, who they're paying $20 million this year, uh, yep. Instead of yep. going to pay seven and a half minimum for Cam Newton, Cam Newton's leaps right. and bounds better than Foles, even on one foot and a bad shoulder. I'm sorry. Right. And then, right. And then you Only see Marcus one of them is a Toyota. Super Bowl MVP, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That is right. Um, but uh, you see Marcus Mariota go and get that huge contract for like a backup quarterback who's now the highest paid backup quarterback in the league. I know Cam didn't yep. want to be a backup, and I don't blame him. He doesn't deserve to be a backup. But right. I really, really love this move by the Patriots. I wish I could hear Ryan's thoughts on this. I think he'd be a fan of it, just price tag. Um, and considering it's a, it's a one-year deal, you know, if he's not healthy, you know, cut your ties, move on. It's such a Belichickian move. Like, any, any below a certain price, he's willing to take a risk on We've seen with Antonio Brown. We saw it, what, 14 years ago at this point with, with Randy Moss. Uh, Chad Ochocinco was the starting receiver in Super Bowl for the Patriots. You know, he's willing uh-huh. to take a uh-huh. risk on, on high upside veterans, which is something that a lot of teams need to catch on to at this point. I mean, uh, James Harrison was a Patriot of the screw. Reggie Wayne. Um, so, uh-huh. and Cam Newton's still young. He's turning 31 or he's 31 now. And by all means, his health is like an important factor in how this contract plays out and how his season plays out. But uh, I, well, I watched his rehab video that he put, uh, posted on YouTube and he looks awesome. He looks he's in great shape. His foot looks yep. to be completely healed up. That shoulder looks to be completely healed up. And you throw in the fact that the Patriots have a pretty freaking decent offensive line, uh, which is going to be the best offensive line he's ever played behind. Um, and then probably similar weapons to what he had in Carolina, I know the Patriots aren't – they don't really have a ton of talent um, on the receiver side. Uh, I know they dropped in Nikhil Harry last year. Um, hopefully he's, uh-huh. he's going to be a, a good weapon for them. Uh, but I think it's a, it's a great signing all around for, for everybody involved. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And, and you know, last year, as we mentioned, uh, they had a down year, lots of injuries, kind of sat it out. But I have to believe there were some motivation issues as well. Uh, coaching staff didn't really believe in him. Uh, they were – really trying to get behind some fresh legs uh, at quarterback, which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me when you had Cam Newton there. I mean, keep in mind, he was only one year um, separated from 
his 2018 campaign, in which he played 14 of the 16 games and still set, still had 3,395 yards and a 67.9% pass completion rate. Um, you know, he was he was good. He was solid. 24 uh, passing touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns on top of that. Uh, I mean, that was a down year for him in 2018. And you look at all the other years prior to that, and he is relatively consistent all the way across the board. Uh, decent accuracy, good amount of yards, good touchdowns, not as, not that many interceptions. Uh, I mean, overall, he has only a 2.7% interception percentage throughout his career. Uh, this is a great get. I, I, as you said, I am shocked uh, that it took so long. And that was two months ago. I had written a piece that went up on our website where I had predicted where Cam Newton would go in free agency, and I had graded them in terms of percentages, you know, where, which, how, what percentage he would end up at any team. The team that I thought they had the greatest percentage chance of getting him 40% was the New England Patriots. It made so much sense to me. Uh, even if they paid full freight, and they paid not full freight, they paid a fraction of what I think he could have gotten uh, in any other uh, year in which there was a quarterback drought. It just so happened that he's moving in a weird year where you have uh, guys like Bill Rivers and um, and Tom Brady, uh, even Teddy Bridgewater, you know, Andy Dalton, you know, have all these guys that uh, are are just career starters and veterans that have a track record just ended up being in free agency at the same time. So uh, just bad timing for Cam Newton, great timing as usual, unfortunately, for the New England Patriots. $7.5 million and almost entirely incentive-laden. Um, it's just crazy. So what do you think? What are the chances that Cam Newton does not start for the Patriots at the beginning of the season and we see Jared Stenham out there? What do you think? I think the odds that Cam Newton's not the starter week one are very slim, and that would have to do with anything injury-related. Uh, Cam Newton is obviously the superior quarterback to Jared Stidham, and I don't know why we kind of talked ourselves in to Jared Stidham over the last six months. <laughs> right, um, right. I, I know Ryan had, you know, heard from, like, his Boston guys, the beat reporters over there, about how, the, you know, the Patriots are sticking with, uh, with Stidham, blah, blah, blah. But it kind of rang similar to, you know, the storyline last year when the Cardinals were like, Josh Rosen's our guy, Josh Rosen's our guy. And then they have a chance to get a, a superstar talent in Kyler Murray. And they're like, you know what? Josh Rosen. Bye. Is <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, exactly. no disrespect to Jared Stidham. I, I never liked him as a quarterback. Um, not to say that he's, he isn't going to have a fruitful NFL career um, either on the Patriots or on another team. But Cam Newton is right. just on an entire different level than him. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a really cool podcast that's actually coming out um, mid-July about Cam Newton, um, but but this Patriots move is is really similar to a lot of moves he's made in his career. You know, he started his college career at Florida uh, before getting in a little bit of trouble. And then he had to go to uh, a, a small school, Blinn College in Texas, where he won a national championship at that level. And then the one year at Auburn, where he won a national championship, and those teams were basically yeah. devoid of talent. And then you know, a one year deal with the Patriots that kind of uh, mirrors those two situations. Um, the podcast uh, called the Cam Chronicles with Tyler Tynes of the Ringer um, that he he interviewed like Cam's family, um, Cam himself, and that's that's like a rarity because Cam Newton's kind of a private figure. Um, it might not seem like it with his boisterous uh, personality, but he hasn't had a sit down interview with anybody in five years. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to that one. So you guys should uh, go check that out. Uh, July 13th, I believe, is the date that that's released. 
Yeah, it sounds great. It sounds really, really interesting. Now, there's two. So, first of all, let me just say this. I love the fact, Joey, that you started that sentence off with, no offense to Jared Stidham, but I never liked him as a quarterback. It's almost like, well, I don't know <laughs> if I can take it any other way, honestly. But, okay, I get it. Uh, the other thing I'll mention about the uh, Patriots, though, uh, is the fact that, and I hate saying that they're brilliant, but they are uh, in terms of the way they manage their organization. Uh, maybe not so much in the fairness and not cheating category, but certainly in the way they manage their organization. So just at the time that they get and it gets announced that they are going to be fined uh, for the sideline um, issue with regard to filming the new the Browns and Bengals game last year, uh, where they are fined $1.1 million and they lose their 2021 third round pick, they go ahead and they sign Cam Newton for an incentive-laden deal worth up to $7.5 million, so pennies on a dollar. And it's one year, and it turns out that if Cam Newton does well and walks away, the New England Patriots will, will actually qualify for a compensatory pick in the third round. So they basically have um, <laughs> just tied, just managed to, to get that pick right back, honestly, because it's, it's, un, it's unlikely that Cam Newton – so one of two things is going to happen, in my opinion. He'll do well, and he'll stay, and they're going to be great with Cam Newton, or he'll do well, and he'll leave, and they'll get their third-round compensatory pick, and that will make up for what they lost for that sideline filming. And once again – Somehow Bill Belichick makes it all work out. So anyway, that, brilliant, um, brilliant move by the Patriots. I uh, um, okay. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't. I don't know if I'd be uh, we're categorizing it as brilliant, but that's just in context to the morons that run teams across the league. Like it's brilliant. <laughs> okay, that's a fair point. Because the other teams didn't make the move, but I feel like every uh, like above IQ person that's really into football could have seen this move coming from a mile away. Um, right, and, right. And to the point you said about the incentive-laden deal, another really smart thing that the Patriots did, or I guess you could say, you know, normal thing the Patriots did, was that they uh, didn't include uh, a line in his contract that after the season um, he couldn't be franchise tagged, meaning after the season he can be franchise tagged. So if he does have a great right. season and they don't want him to walk away, they have no faith in Jared Sidham, whatever, they can franchise tag him for that, that ridiculous $35 million price tag. Um, which right. is another uh, cool stipulation in that contract. Yeah, yeah. Well, you add it up and you divide by two, and all of a sudden it's actually very reasonable, right? So that's a pretty good <laughs> deal, even if they do franchise tag him on a two-year. So it would be like a two-year deal uh, at a little bit under $20 million a year. That's basically what we're paying a lot of quarterbacks that are nowhere near that caliber. So uh, with that said, uh, let me ask you this question about quarterbacks in new places. I ran a poll earlier this week uh, that ended already, and uh, what I asked people was, which quarterback in a new location has the best chance to end up having a top 10 season? Uh, the candidates were Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton, Tom Brady, or Phillip Rivers. So all those all those guys played elsewhere last year. Now they're in a new location. What do you think? What, which one of those four do you think have the best chance to come away with a top 10 season? What's funny is I actually got the news that Cam Newton was, was a Patriot because he had sent that poll to me. And I was like, why oh, is Cam Newton? Cam Newton's on a team. Right. <laughs> so I went on Twitter really quick, and I was like, holy shit. Um, but I, I, I believe I voted Tom Brady in the poll uh, before I yeah. knew Cam was a Patriot. Um, but actually, I would probably stick with Brady just because there's okay. uh, probably not – there's not a whole lot of injury concern with Brady. I know he's up there in age. Plus, he's got a ton of weapons that we've already discussed that ad nauseum. 
with the Bucks and Brady and Arians and Evans and Godwin and Gronk and Howard. Um, it's and, ridiculous. You know, it's it's ridiculous. So I am really I'm really yep. sticking with Brady. Not not to say that I don't think Newton's going to knock it out of the park in New England because I think he will. Um, right. But I think Brady's a safe pick there. And I and and interestingly, that poll ended and Tom Brady was the winner. Thirty eight point nine percent of you thought that Tom Brady would have the best chance to have top ten have a top ten season in twenty twenty in his new location. Cam Newton close behind at thirty three point three percent. Philip Rivers at 27.8%, so very close race between those three in many ways. Teddy Bridgewater, zero, zero percent. No one thought that Teddy Bridgewater had a chance at top 10 QB stats at the end of 2020. Not a big surprise, but will be interesting to, to watch. Uh, certainly lots of old faces and new places uh, will make for a very interesting 2020 season. So with that said, I want to move on to our next topic here because that this is something that um, actually – um, and I'm going to hit the bell, bell on this level in this uh, subject and move on. And this is something actually that uh, Ryan wanted to talk about, but Ryan obviously, uh, again, has no ability to tell time and is not here. So let's just go ahead and run right into it because this, I think, is an interesting concept. And that's talking about those second-year prospects for fantasy football. Uh, every year we see a lot of these rookies really break out in the first year. And the question is, is it a mirage? Or are they going to keep it going? Are they going to take it to the next level? And how do you assess that for your fantasy football draft? Who are you going to take a chart, uh, chance on? So let's, let me ask you that question. Uh, what second-year players do you think have a chance to break out as, um, as something that you would target in your fantasy football drafts in 2020? Um, there's a few guys that a lot of you know, the fantasy talking heads are talking about. You know, Miles Sanders is a big one. But I'm going with two homer picks. Um, so you can Homer see where pick. this is going. <laughs> Homer pick. Uh-huh. Um, so yep. the first one, obviously Daniel Jones. Um, uh, he's my, Ooh. he's my guy in New York. Um, last season threw for 24 touchdowns, 3000 yards, uh, 12 interceptions and a whole bunch of fumbles. Um, but <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I know a lot of people are talking about the turnovers, but in just 13 games, I think those are really impressive numbers. And I think, uh, if uh, Tua, Tua comes out and has those uh, types of numbers, Joe Burrow comes out and has those types of numbers, they're going to win rookie of the year this year. But nobody's talking about Daniel Jones <laughs> because it's the, it's the easy thing to do is to hate on Daniel Jones because of the whole fiasco and that pick and making fun of Dave Gettleman is like a pastime for, for NFL writers at this point. Um, but I yes, think with Jason Garrett at the helm for our offensive coordinator – uh, a really improved offensive line with Andrew Thomas holding down the left side, presumably with moving Nate Solder to the right side. Will Hernandez going into his, I believe, third season uh, at left guard is going to be uh, huge uh, for Daniel Jones and that offense. Um, and then I want to talk about another guy who he's going to be throwing to. That's Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton, right? Um, yeah, all right. I Darius love it. Slayton. See, this one I like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely a homer pick, uh, but I really – I really think he's going to have a great year. Uh, last year, he had 48 receptions, 748 or 740 yards, and eight touchdowns. Um, with a rookie quarterback and being drafted as late as he was, I think that was a stellar production that nobody saw coming. Um, yep. and he's probably going to be receiver one for the Giants uh, with Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard um, manning the slot positions. Um, so expect to see a whole lot of targets to Darius Slayton. Um, I know there's a lot of uh, key pieces in the offense. You know, Barkley gets a lot of 
uh, a lot of touches and a lot of uh, balls thrown at him. Uh, but and Evan Ingram, and then I mentioned before Shepard and Tate. But I really think Slayton is going to be the the breakout number one receiver for that team. Yeah, no, I I, I can I can definitely see that. And I'll also mention that Slayton ended up having a uh, receiving grade that ranked him sixth amongst rookie players at the wide receiver position. Uh, he was also uh, had seven receptions that resulted in a gain over of at least thirty yards. That is the sixteenth most in the league. That's a lot. Of, that's some good numbers for a rookie wide receiver uh, being thrown to most of the year by a rookie quarterback, who, by the way, Daniel Jones, I'm not as confident about him. Uh, that he's going to take that big step forward. Uh, I do want to see him fix that fumbling issue. 17 fumbles on the year, the most in the NFL. Um, uh, generally something you don't want to be known for. I mean, obviously not as turnover prone as Jameis Winston, but that's, you know, another level. So, <laughs> We've seen we've seen uh, really good quarterbacks have really bad fumbling rookie years. Uh, who do you think is right behind him for second all time fumbles as a rookie? Um, it's Carson Wentz, who had 17 oh, okay. uh, in his rookie okay. year with Philadelphia, and we saw him bounce back. You know, leading a, a great Philadelphia team until obviously he got hurt and Nick Foles takes over and wins the Super Bowl. Um, but another guy, you know, Josh Allen had 16 fumbles. Gardner Minshew, Minshew had 13 fumbles. Um, so I think that's a problem that can be easily solved um, with a with a really great summer. Um, obviously, coronavirus kind of impacts that. Um, but I think he's yep. been doing a lot of work in terms of uh, ball security. He's also beefed up eight pounds in muscle apparently. So I think that should help. Right. Uh, you know, getting rocked in the blind side by a, a huge defender. Uh, you know, dropping the ball and whatnot. But uh, I'm pretty confident he's going to have a great season. Jason Garrett is a better offensive coordinator than he is a head coach, um, in my opinion, yep. at least. I like to hate on him from his time in Dallas. It's pretty easy for me. <laughs> um, yep. But, you know, Dak Prescott, uh, <laughs> he's done great. Tony Romo was great. Um, so I think he can do the same for Daniel Jones. Okay. Yeah. No, I I don't think it's completely out, out of the uh... – Realm of possibility. I definitely love the I definitely love the Slayton pick. I think he has huge, huge upside in that system, uh, and that should grow into this season, particularly with more familiarity with Daniel Jones. So who knows? Maybe the two of them will carry each other forward. Let me ask you about some running backs because there are actually a number of running backs, of course, that were rookies last year who had relatively good seasons and have a potent, have potential in their role going into the 2020 season of having a, a breakout year. So here's a couple of them right off the bat. Josh Jacobs of the Raiders. And, and we have, um, of course, David Montgomery from my Bears. And we have Devin Singletary from the Bills. So we got Devin Singletary, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs. Any one of those guys look like they might have a breakout season in their second year? Uh, Josh Jacobs is the first name that pops out immediately to me. Um, he's probably a top five running back in football already. Uh, in terms of his talent, um, I'm not sure what, he, what numbers he put up last year um, off the back of my hand, but I think he's a really talented guy. Um, he could serve as your running back one, if I'm being honest, next year. Um, but uh, David Montgomery in Chicago is another interesting name. I'm not really sold on, on Devin Singletary in Buffalo. Um, I think it could be a good piece, but I, I'd lean definitely towards Josh Jacobs if you're if – you're, talking about sophomore uh, breakout seasons okay yeah i i can i can uh i can buy that i really do think that there's a lot of potential there uh for josh jacobs he already 
is pretty much a breakout, so I don't know how much more he can break out at this point, but I certainly do think that he does have the the best chance to keep that going. I actually think Devin Singletary has a lot of upside here and could actually be um, even better next year since he's no longer going to have that much competition um, in the backfield. Uh, he did have an, an amazing ability to, uh, to, to miss tackles, to make missed tackles, um, 0.24 missed tackles per rush attempt, third best amongst quarterback, uh, running backs in the NFL, uh, and the second highest rate of carries that went more for more than 10 yards at 16.4%. So Devin Singletary, a guy I really like. I wish I could say David Montgomery, but I have no faith in the Bears offense at <laughs> all. Let me throw you a couple wide receivers. Uh, I know you already mentioned Slayton, so I'm not going to mention him, but let me a couple big names here. A.J. Brown of the Tennessee Titans, obviously big breakout so far last year. Terry McLaurin, also a really big breakout. Devo Samuel, looking like a guy that could be a really big guy into the future. And D.K. Metcalf of the Seattle Seahawks. Of those four guys, any of those guys look like they're going to be big breakouts in the second season in their position. Terry McLaurin's going to finish the season as a top ten wideout. Um, I, 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 my mind slipped when making my list of, of breakouts, but He's the guy. I think he's better than Slayton. Um, he had a, a phenomenal season last year, and I think he's going to even he's going to have an even better season this year. Um, uh, other guys you mentioned, DK Metcalf is another one. Um, I know Seattle likes to go; they're really run heavy. They don't have enough faith in Russell Wilson, in my opinion. Um, so I'm not sure how many targets he's going to get. Um, and then you mentioned Debo Samuel and AJ Brown. AJ Brown with Tennessee. I really don't like them re-signing Ryan Tannehill. I think he's mm, average thanks. at best. Um, I think Derrick Henry carries that team. I know I kind of knocked oh, sure. on in our, our Bust and Sleepers uh, podcast, but um, right. I, I don't think I would put all my eggs in my A.J. Brown basket and Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback. Uh, so McCorn by a mile. I think he's, I think he's a real legit stud. Um, in that in that receiver group. Okay, yeah, I mean, I, I can I can agree with most of that, but I do think you know AJ Brown deserves a little more credit. Uh, league leading 2.98 yards per route run over his first rookie season, pretty good for a rookie, particularly with Ryan Tannehill throwing to him. I don't think he's any great shakes, but heck, if he can do that, Ryan Tannehill last year, why can't he do that, with Ryan Tannehill this year? Is the way I see it. And I think we finally got Ryan on the phone. Ryan, is that you? So it's fair to to finally ask at some point just who the hell do I think I am. Um, but, you know, here I am. So, uh, since quarantine started, on top of being super busy, half the time I don't know what day it is. I finally, uh, yeah, clearly. I think I mentioned on the show before, I, uh, I run the uh, PFF Arizona Cardinals page. So that's the Twitter I'm primarily yep. logged into. I've gone through all my notifications. I was like, huh, switch over to my personal one. And so I saw you messaging me. So, <laughs> so. Well, at least you didn't Here sleep through it this time, Ryan. Like, come on, Ryan. Are we so boring that you can't even stay awake for our own podcast? I mean, like, really? Seriously? Is that where we are right now? I do. I, <laughs> I feel like I live in a cave. I take 5.30 p.m. naps <laughs> half the time. It's just, it's just a weird time to be alive. So, anyway. Wow, dude. Here you, I am. I, you're like, you're, you somehow, like, jumped forward to 80 years old somehow. You're taking 5.30, 5.30 naps. Amazing. Hey, listen, so we were just talking about your topic, Ryan, uh, breakouts in their second year. 
Um, we just got through a, a whole list of them, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Of course, you won't be surprised to hear that Joey picked Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton. I'll give you a second to, to rage against that if you'd like it in a minute. We also talked about A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, Josh Jacobs, Debo Samuel, um, and D.K. Metcalf as well as Devin Singletary and David Montgomery. Not all his breakouts, but just, you know, grading their relative chances of doing well next season in their current positions and kind of continuing what they've done in their rookie season. So let me get yours. Come on, Ryan, fire it away. You must have had some stuff in mind because this is your topic. So what do you think? Yes. Um, so I'll say, actually, and this is not a Patriot bias, and this actually ties into the whole the Cam Newton thing. It, it, it's just – it's so – it's so, 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 so fun and funny to me. Um, the amount of people out there um, that now, now are calling, you know, certain Patriot fans Jarrett Stidham truthers. Um, I'll be on the record to say I never <laughs> guarantee Jarrett Stidham will be an elite quarterback. Um, but what I will say is that people aren't grading enough or, or accounting for um, just how unpass friendly that that Auburn offense is. In, uh, in, in, mm-hmm. in Stidham's senior year, which was Slayton's senior year, they, by 2% more than any other team, so they were first for amount of screen passes, and the next closest was 2% lower than them. Uh, I believe it was like 23% of their pass plays were, were, script, were scripted screen passes. So when you have okay. that, the guys who are, who are supposed to be in the vertical downfield game are going to be discounted. Um, so I was high on Darius Slayton coming into last year. I've watched because of my interest in the Pats and just through PFF that had multiple games that I had to watch um, for them during my trial stuff. I got a couple Auburn games when I was first uh, practicing with them. Um, so I, okay. unlike a lot of people with opinions, uh, have watched a fair amount of that senior year uh, for Slayton and Stidham, <laughs> or they might have been juniors, whatever, okay. the final season uh, in Auburn. So I'm a big Slayton guy, and I like Slayton. I will disagree on Daniel Jones, but I like Slayton's upside. Um, <laughs> as far as a couple other guys, uh, just to t- touch on some guys you didn't touch on, um, you know, in some offenses, well, I guess I'll, I'll touch on A.J. Brown too quickly first. A.J. Brown. I see a regression for him in that entire Tennessee offense. What you saw in the final two months of the season was was their ceiling. That was the ceiling of Ryan yep. Tannehill. That was Derrick Henry's ceiling. I, don't, ceiling. I don't think that's A.J. Brown's ceiling, but when all the other parts come back down and they go back to more of a run-first team um, and more of a middling team, which is what I think is closer to the truth than what we saw at the end of last year, um, that's just going to take A.J. Brown down a step. Um, I yeah. disagree. I think that re-signing Ryan Tannehill, well, there are other options, but, you know, if the other option, the main option on the table was, was Tom Brady, um, then I would take a guy who, who's been in your system and succeeded there instead of bringing a whole new offense for a guy that's going to be done in two or three years. So, um, uh-huh. but anyway, that's often going to take a step back until they get another better quarterback, A.J. Brown. I think the ceiling fantasy-wise is probably what we saw last year, just until they get a better quarterback in that offense. Um, yeah, but okay. two other guys that I had had that I wanted to mention – one being a guy I was really high on last year going into the draft. By the time uh, the season started, I actually pulled off on, and then he actually went on went on to have a pretty successful rookie season, and that's Noah Fant. Um, I think mm-hmm. the extra weapons yep. added in to the Denver offense actually benefits Noah Fant. Now Noah Fant's going to be even less on the you know game game planned against from the defense, and for a guy who I believe was second for tight ends last year, it might have been all players with 14.1 yards per reception. Um, he showed that he can be a downfield vertical threat. Again, now you have uh, you know, even more weapons in that offense this year. So I think that the, 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 the bulk will not be on Noah Fant in, in terms of, of defensive coverages, and he can excel in that. And then a guy who I'm also close to, just because of what I said about the, the Twitter account I run earlier, um, with DeAndre Hopkins uh, coming into Arizona, I'm very high on Kyler Murray. I think, yeah. I think they're still a middling team. 
because I think their defense is not good uh, or not good enough. But I actually was just uh, looking at a few minutes ago. Um, Murray actually tied for first in completions of 50 yards or more last year with six. And that's, you know, I know Demir Bird, um, who's a, you know, speedster downfield kind of guy. But that outside of that, that's with Larry Fitzgerald passes prime. Um, that's with uh, uh, Christian Kirk, uh, uh, Isabella, you know, all these, all these okay targets, but not anything elite. And now you have a real true elite number one receiver who can get downfield for you. Um, so I think Tyler Murray in that offense um, puts up a lot of numbers this year. I think they're the kind of team that's going to lose a lot of games, 31 to 24, 31, you know, 34, 28, something like that. Um, so I don't expect uh-huh. them to be a playoff team. Well, I guess everyone gets in the playoffs now, so they might be. Long story <laughs> long there. Uh, Kyler Murray, fantasy-wise, um, you know, I think has a realistic ch- chance to finish as a top-10 fantasy quarterback this year. Yeah, well, I love that pick. I mean, Kyler Murray had an up-and-down season, but I, obviously the ceiling is quite high, and it uh, doesn't hurt to have DeAndre Hopkins to throw the ball to. So I, And one more year under his belt, certainly commitment from the Arizona Cardinals, um, sky's the limit. Let me ask you guys about another group of wide receivers, uh, and I'll ask both of you what you think. If any of these guys look like they might be targets for you into the 2020 season after their rookie years, Nicole Car- sorry, Nicole Hardman from the Kansas City Chiefs, Deontay Johnson from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Preston Williams from Miami Dolphins, and Alabisi Johnson in the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, so I'll repeat that again. Hardman from the Chiefs, Johnson from the Steelers, um, we got Williams from the Dolphins and Johnson from the Vikings. Any of those guys interest you as a potential breakout in their second season? Well, uh, we'll start with we'll start with you, uh, Joey, since you, uh, as we just heard from Ryan. All right. Um, I mean, this is a, obviously a homer pick with my Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, I really like Nico Hardman coming out of the draft last year. We talked about him a lot um, before the draft last year, after the draft last year, and then. It's fantasy preview podcast uh, last year. Um, he had 26 receptions, 538 yards, and six touchdowns last year um, with a uh-huh. 20.7 average uh, per reception, which is ridiculous. Um, he's a speed guy, uh, not uh, not very different from Tyree Kill in that offense. Um, I could see him taking a step forward uh, probably around the, the 45 receptions, 700-yard season that uh, Darius Slayton just had. Um, I don't. I just don't think he's as important in that Chiefs offense. Um, but he's my favorite out of that group. I don't know a ton about the other guys. I would probably lean Preston Williams as the second guy making a leap. Um, Miami with uh, drafting Tua. Um, I think that could be that could be good for Preston Williams. I'm not. I'm not sure about the other two guys. Deontay Johnson. Um, I don't remember the other guy. Uh, but Harden and Williams are probably the two yeah. guys over here. Right. The, the other guy. <laughs> So what do you think, uh, Ryan? What do you what do you think about that? What, do you, are you interested in any of those four guys? McCole Hardman, Deontay Johnson, Ola B.C. Johnson, or Preston Williams? Yeah, so uh, as Joey mentioned, uh, given his bias, um, I think that we as a podcast talked about Michael Hardman going into the draft more than a lot of people did. We did. Um, I know a lot. that particularly <laughs> – Joey and I had separate DMs going back and forth about uh, Nicole Hardman, where I was watching a lot of game film on him uh, coming out of Georgia and really liked what I saw. Uh, so okay. I, I think from a talent wise, he might be the best in the group, but there's just, I mean, he's just too far down that depth chart to me. Um, you know, uh-huh. so I just, I, what, what you saw last year is what I would expect this year. I just don't think there's a big, um, yeah, I don't see him taking on a bigger share of targets 
which is what you're looking for for, for a jump in, in player. So I just don't think that right. that's going to be realistic for him. Again, if I'm drafting a team and you're asking me which four I'm putting on my team, he might be – he probably is the number one guy I'd put. Um, but, you know, there's just, there's just too many mouths to feed there. And unfortunately, even though he's always one, one soft tissue uh, uh, issue, uh, injury away from sitting out for six weeks, uh, we saw probably Sammy Watkins' death season um, for, uh, you know, on a play-by-play basis. You know, I, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but um, just okay. from a performance standpoint and, and you know, uh, uh, achieving uh, standpoint, again, just, you know, what, what his role in the Super Bowl, everything he did last year, I don't know. They probably couldn't be bigger on Sammy Watkins than they are right now. So um, I would say uh, that that's one that, you know, I like the player in a dynasty league, sure, get your Michael Harden in shares, you know, trade for him, stash him, whatever. Um, but I think the uh, the number one guy, and this is a guy I wrote about a lot last year on my DFS column at PFF, was like Preston Williams, uh, the, 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 the amount it took for people to catch on to what he was doing in Miami. And then, of course, once everyone was, he's one of those guys, right, that was like it was six elite weeks in a row where he was finishing as like a top 12 wide receiver. Um, and I'm, probably, right. I'm sure he didn't finish top 12 every time. But, like, he was somebody outperforming his uh, – his, his money every single week on FanDuel and DraftKings. And then finally when the price caught up to him and people started grabbing him off of waiver wires in every league I was in, he then got hurt and was out for the season. So um, That's right. Preston is a guy that I'm very excited to see his second year. Um, you know, two has got a lot of question marks, injury history, all that. But I think we can all agree that if he is the day one starter, the Miami pass offense should be better. Um, and I expect Preston Williams to be a, to be a major part of that. Um, so yeah, I'm, high, I'm very high in Preston Williams. Deontay Johnson is a guy I talked about coming into the draft last year or coming out of the draft last year. Um, and there's just one thing I can't get past. He had a, he had a good rookie year, you know, uh, not great. And yeah. you know, we obviously know everything that happened uh, with the quarterback carousel uh, all the way down to Duck Hodges last year. So it's hard to really blame Deontay hard to Johnson watch. having a breakout rookie year. But all I know right. is that I know he was a little less known, but there were several – Somehow, from our from our friend of the show uh, uh, that I've done a couple podcasts on, always like retweets our stuff. Uh, Joey Bag of Donuts, um, yeah, great follow guy. On Twitter. Follow. Uh, but he's yep. constantly re- retweeting um, articles from the Pittsburgh area, so I'm a little bit more. Uh, there's a little bit more of my purview. So I remember reading a couple mm-hmm. post draft things where a couple of you know unnamed scouts, but scouts in the in the Pittsburgh uh, organization said that when we had we it was either a pro day or the workouts or whatever when we saw Deontay Johnson we saw everything we saw in Antonio Brown when no one knew who Antonio Brown was um, wow. which okay. was a really strong statement to make um, and so and it was and it was I think it was a few scouts who had made that that claim so um, anyways when you hear that and then you saw what he did last year and you know that Pittsburgh up until the last couple of years has really been just an absolute and even with Juju they hit but I'm thinking about Martavis Bryant, which is more off-field stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, who was the kid Coates out of uh, Sammy Coates, whatever school he was out of. I can't even remember. Whatever. They've had quite a few busts in that <laughs> position recently. But overall, in the last 20 years, Pittsburgh grabs receivers that no one's ever heard of in terms of in the household names. Um, and a lot of them, yep. you know, a lot of Mike Wallace go other places and suck. So, uh, you know, I'm going to bank on them. And I think he's the best number two option there. I'm not a big Washington guy. Um, I, I, I like Jim, I like a uh, I like Deontay Johnson's tape better, um, so I like him. Uh, in terms of Pittsburgh, I'm just going to be honest, like Joey, I, I don't I don't watch him enough to have any real depth or knowledge on him. All I know is that obviously there's a hole to fill there, so that might be a deeper stash because you know you do have Stephon Diggs, 
targets to replace. Um, but I still think that they're hell-bent on being more of a run-first offense, and I actually like Irv Smith Jr. to take more of those uh, targets that are going to be taken away or that are going to be available from Stephon Diggs because uh, I feel like that plays to Kirk Cousins' game more um, than obviously the vertical threat, which is why they ultimately decided to move on um, from Stephon Diggs. Yep, and Sammy Coates from the same place that that guy we talked about earlier today was from. Auburn. We got you know Cam Newton there from obviously a couple of years before Sammy Coates, but Sammy Coates out of Auburn back in uh, 2014. So uh, yeah, but yeah, but where is he now? I guess is the question. Um, some some good points there. Let me just follow up on on one thing. I, I love the discussion about Michael Hardman, and I will just say this: that last year uh, he, he didn't get the targets. Probably won't get the targets this year, but had only caught only dropped one catchable target the entire season and had a 153.9 passer rating when targeted. This guy is amazing. they got to use him more often. Um, but there's just too many mouths to feed in Kansas City. So uh, I agree with that. Uh, and, of course, the entire thing of Preston Williams, I hope he comes up. Ooh. Yep, sorry? Well, not to mention before we move on, that, that yep. their, their first-round first draft pick is another inc- ridiculous passing weapon, um, much more so than, than Damian Williams uh, and – uh, Darwin Thompson and everybody else who rolled through there, LaShawn McCoy last year, like, you know, it quite, uh, quite Edwards Hilaire, if he's at his peak is going to, is going to receive a good chunk of targets this year too. So it's just another person you have to factor in that Kansas City pass game. Great point. Great point. Absolutely. Yes. It's going to be, a, there's a lot of miles to feed over there. Um, so talent is not all you need. You also need opportunity, which is why I do like Deontay Johnson being the potential number two out there in Pittsburgh uh, having a breakout season, Big Ben back, whether you like it or not, obviously better than all the options they rotated through last season. And guess what, guys? We're at the end of our show. It's uh, the air horn on the show. We actually have used up all our time and more. We're in overtime right now. We're in overtime because of the fact that Ryan showed up, um, I'll just say, uh, stylishly late. <laughs> well done. That's, that's the uh, So. <laughs> you are, I'm just saying, man. You, you. But I, okay, let's say, let's put it this way. We saved the best for last. How's that? We saved the best for last. Ryan's in the hair at the end here, getting giving us all that information. So there you go, guys. Everybody got what they wanted. Listen, um, always a always a great time. Always happy to have people come out here and, and listen to us. But you know, follow everybody on uh, social media. Some great tweets out there. Ryan mentioned a bunch of them. Joy Bag of Donuts being one of them. Also, um, follow Ryan on his PFF account as well. But, Ryan, give us your social media so people can follow you. Yeah, you can follow me at Ryan Whitfield. N-E is in New England. And uh, just to, to sign off on that one last time, um, if you're the first person to show up at the red carpet, you're probably not an A-list celebrity. So, you know, I like to, I like to show up <laughs> when, it, when everyone's That's got fair. Their, uh, And just remember, when you out. follow Ryan – uh, don't expect him to return your DMs. That's uh, that's all I have to say. That's not, you know. Anyway, <laughs> and Joey, well, Joey, what, why don't you give us your social media so people can follow you? Well, I was very curious about uh, Ryan's thoughts on Cam Newton, but I'll probably have to hit him in his DMs for that. Um, but you guys <laughs> yeah. can follow me at, at Joey Libro on all social media platforms. Uh, yep. You know that's yeah, really funny I because had, I, you know we, we had this whole segment built up around Cam this because we were all excited to hear. From Ryan. So, Ryan, you know what? We've got to give the people what they want. Give us 30 seconds what you think about Cam Newton as a Patriot. Yes. Uh, so, this is the same thing, as I was saying, uh, talking over you there, that uh, Wole reached out to me yesterday and DMs and asked for my thoughts. So, you know, he actually cared about me enough to reach out personally. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, 
the one time I give him credit. It just was just to take a shot at the rest of the world. But uh, no, well, we um, clip Kim, that, David. It's, it's the perfect. It's the perfect signing for the Patriots right now. First of all, I think Cam held out waiting for a better deal. No better deal existed. He became, you know, aware of the fact that like his his options were dwindling, um, and so the Patriots went and got him for for next to nothing. And so, you know, I, I have several thoughts on it. And I'll run through them super super quick. You know, uh, basically, high 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 reward, no risk. Um, and the big X factor with Cam is if he passes injury prime, there's injury issues because. 31 years old, people are trying to call him old. He's not old. 31 years old is young. The Patriots just got, got rid of their quarterback who was 41. So, I mean, if you play the position a certain way, you can play for forever. Obviously, he plays a different way. But still, with his body, he should be able to maintain another five to eight years of, of good football, I believe. So, um, hopefully, uh, the injury stuff for the last three seasons has passed him, and then the Patriots can play a more college-style offense with him there. Uh, as, as pertaining to Jarrett Stidham, I don't think this is a disavowance of – um, belief in Jarrett Stidham. I believe that this is this is really about like this. Is, there's nothing normal about this offseason. He's got to replace the greatest quarterback of all time, and now to do it on a shortened offseason with limited workouts and everything that's going on. I just think it's, you might as well bring in Cam Newton. If Cam Newton goes off and he's the guy and he's better than Jarrett Stidham, then then maybe you reinvest in him next year. If Jarrett Stidham beats out Cam Newton, then great. And if Jarrett Stidham, because this is the big backlash from some people in New England saying that Jarrett Stidham, this is going to shake his confidence. You're going to ruin the kid doing this. If Jarrett Stidham, as a quarterback who has to run the whole offense to be the CEO of a football team, if he gets shaken because you brought in a former MVP on the, on the league minimum and he goes the other way, then he was never meant to be the long-term quarterback here in the first place because he's too mentally right. weak. So I think this is yep. an opportunity for him to step up and take the team. Um, if not, you get Cam Newton for a year, and, and hopefully you know, the rest of you have to cry as the Patriots go on a deep run again. Yeah. Oh, big I, – I, for once, I agree with everything you said there, Ryan, and uh, in particular the last part about man. competition. <laughs> well, I'm not going to go that far. Let's not get crazy, all right? Anyway, hit the bell on that one. Thanks for your thoughts. And everybody, once again, thank you so much for listening to us. Thanks again for coming out and obviously wasting time with us, I should say. And until next time, enjoy your NFL week. And perhaps next time we're going to get a full whole episode of Ryan Whitfield. As we're, as we're signing off, at Joey Olivero, follow him on Twitter. <laughs> That's right. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.